I hope you all are doing well. I know some of you are not doing well. Some of you are in the midst of heartache, suffering, trouble. Some of you are enjoying bliss. Some of you are somewhere in the middle. That's what today's sermon is all about, really. So we're going to look at it. We have been in the Psalms since about February, right? Mid-February, we started diving into the Psalms. We're reading a Psalm a day, um, and we'll be doing that all the way to mid-August. And so we've been reading together, together, each of you have been reading the same psalm. So we've been reading the psalm. So um, Monday, we had a pretty good psalm. This week was all about what we call faithful witness. The faithful witness is like various people who wrote a psalm other than David, okay, and that we, that we know about. Like on Monday, we started in, in Psalm 90. We did, we did Moses, that was a great one. And we're like, oh, this is great. And then you get to Tuesday and you get to Psalm 88 and you go, <laughs> wow, just shoot me now. And so um, I think it's a challenge because when, when you read something like Psalm 88, it's kind of, kind of depressing. You know, and you sort of, why is this in the Bible? Gosh, this is not uplifting. And then we went to Psalm 42, who's also is also the Psalm 80 was the the sons of Korah, um, and specifically Heman. Now, if you were on Facebook and you saw Jeremy do a little thing on Psalm 88, he calls it He-Man, and that could be because he's watched a lot of cartoons growing up. I'm not sure. But I've always heard it pronounced Heman. But anyway, um, Psalm 42 was the next day. We did, and that's from the Sons of Korah. And then Psalm 84, Sons of Korah. Then we did Psalm 104. In Psalm 104, we don't really know who the author is. It's unknown. But it's a faithful witness. And whoever wrote Psalm 104 probably did 103 through 105 because there's some common themes there and some common use of words. So we we sort of think whoever wrote 104 also wrote 103, 105. And did you notice that on the day that we read 104, actually the next day, they buried Prince Philip in Britain. And during the service... They sang a song that just happens to be Psalm 104. I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Sometimes God's in the details. Anyway, and then yesterday we read Psalm 114, which is also an unknown author. But um, in Psalm 114 and Psalm 113, those are usually combined in the Hebrew faith. And sung during Passover, which we just had recently. So, interesting psalms. So, of all those that we sang or read this week, most of them had some positive designation to it. But then we got to Psalm 88, and we went, hmm, 
As I told you, Barb and I, we, before we even get out of bed, we read the psalm in the morning. And when I finish Psalm 88, Barb goes, wait, is that it? Oh my gosh, I'm depressed. So I've been challenged by the Holy Spirit to be able to bring this message to you today. And we're going to read it. But don't be sad, okay? But before we do that, you know me, I want to give you a little history, a little background, okay? Um, if there was ever a song of sorrow and a psalm of sadness, this is the one. This is the one. I personally think it, we should have grouped it with the laments, but we'll get to that. We'll have a whole week of laments, so look forward to that. I think it's in June. <laughs> but um, as most laments have it, someone is crying out to God, and then there's usually a, but God, and then I remember what you've done, your faithfulness, your 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 kindness or your your miracles or what have you and then uh, okay even though i don't understand okay but psalm 88 doesn't have that in fact um let's know let's learn a little bit about the author before we dive into the reading the superscript before verse 1 of Psalm 88 says this, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the director of music. According to Mahalath Linoth Amasco of Heman the Ezraite. Okay? Who is this guy, Heman the Ezraite? We can find him in Scripture, actually. He, he is known for the writer of this psalm, Psalm 88, but he's also known for a few other things. So it says that in First Chronicles, we find this. He says in First Chronicles 25, and I'm going to read some names for you. And as for Heman, from his sons, Bukiah, Madaniah, Uziel, Shubael, and Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hananani, Eliathath, Gildalti, and Romamti Ezer, Josh Bekashah, Malathi, Hothner, and Mahazoith. These are all of Heman's sons. Okay? Can't just stop for a second. Those are some great names. I think if you're ready to have children, you need to think about these names. I don't think we have near enough Josh Bekashas. I'm just saying. Those of you that are having kids soon, you should put this on the list. Too many Caleb's. Too many David's. Sorry, David. You know? What's your, what's your son's name? Josh Bekashaw. Oh, What? Oh, no. All right, anyway. It says, continuing in First Chronicles 25, They were given him through the promises of God to exalt him. He gave him in 14 sons and three daughters. And then verse 6, All these men were under the supervision of their father for the music of the temple 
of the Lord with cymbals, lyres, harps for the ministry at the house of God. Asaph, Jedathan, and Heman were under the supervision of the king. So his musical family of 14 sons and three daughters were prominent during the reign of King David. These, these, these guys were professional singers. And he was known throughout this time as not only a good musician and a trainer of his children. Him and his family were also present at the Ark of the Covenant when it was brought to Jerusalem. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what David described, what they were supposed to sing? Sing a new song, remember that? Heman was one of those guys that was doing it. And his, his prodigy as well were there. All the Levites who were, with, who were the musicians stood at the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen, playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accomplished by 120 priests sounding trumpets. That's found in 2 Chronicles 5.12. Heman and other Levites were formally dressed, sang, and played instruments during this time. It also seems that Heman was still serving during the time of Solomon, son of David. Heman was considered very wise. In fact, Solomon, the wisest of all, was compared to Heman. It says in 1 Kings 4.31, he was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, and wiser than Heman. So not only was he known as a good singer, he was known as a super wise man. So he's a musician, he's a sage, if you will. He served in Israel as a Levite, a prophet, a songwriter, a godly father, a man of influence during the time of King David, King Solomon. Yet today he's only known for his one psalm, Psalm 88. And, and that's important to understand. So let's dive into Psalm 88 and gird our loins and read this together. Okay, so Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles. And my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do your spirits rise up and praise you? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? 
Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. And that's the song. Ah! That's a tough one. So, so what can we learn from reading Psalm 88? Well, let me tell you what. My first impression is reading this. Why is this in the Bible? What good can come from this? This is this is depressing. This is a tough contemplation. The superscript says it's a masculine. It's time. It's a contemplative psalm. So Hammond, one of the wisest men that we know, biblically speaking, he may not be the, the wisest because we know that was Solomon. He's probably in the top five. And that's important to look at because this isn't just some common, ordinary yodel that's just like screaming and whining and crying because his life is hard. This is a learned man. This is a gifted man. This is a man who's in tune with God, yet he is crying out. In fact, this psalm, like none other of the psalms, is very much, because we finished Job at the beginning of the year. It sounded very Jobish, or is it Jobic? It sounds like Job. It sounds just like Job. I'm, he speaks to God like he's in, like God's wrath is on him. Much like Job. He's feeling like God is, is against him during this time of despair. This time of sickness. This time of desertion by friends. And he's asking God, why won't you answer me? Isn't that exactly what happened to Job? When Job goes on and on for 40 chapters talking about and and arguing with his friends, he says, I don't understand why I'm going through this. And God won't answer me. This is Psalm 88 right here. This is a, another man who clearly is in a relationship with God, but doesn't quite understand everything. And he wants to know. And if you look at Psalm 88, the answer never comes. It never comes. 
So, so what do we do with Psalm 88? Let's look at, again quickly at the verses. If you look just as an overview here, Haman is crying out to God and it says he cries, he's speaking to God directly. Verse 1, Lord, you are my God who saves me, and day and night I cry out to you. Verse 9, he says, I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Verse 13, but I cry to you for help, Lord. Haman is not just crying out in despair. He has a specific person, a specific one with whom he is crying out to. And that's a positive. That is a positive because he's he's crying out to God, the creator of the universe. Listen, we all want to have a relationship with God. But you know what? Sometimes God doesn't answer. And there's a reason for that. I don't know what that reason is, honestly. Let's look at it. Let's look at it some way. It's like this. I know many people when they first became Christians, man, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They could feel His presence, and they were having a, oh, this is awesome. We should we should do this all the time. And then they they show up for church. Oh, I felt His presence. I just had chills. This was great. And then sooner or later, sometime, usually after about the first year or so, they don't feel Him anymore. Pastor Mark, I I just don't feel God anymore. Well, does that mean he doesn't exist? Think about this. Maybe God is more interested in a true relationship with his people than someone who's addicted to feeling him. You know? Hey, I've cried out to God and he has answered me. I've cried out to God and I haven't heard from him. Maybe God's asking the question, if you don't hear from me, are you still going to pray to me? If if I don't answer you just exactly the way you want, are you still going to follow me? I mean, there's some challenges there. And the thing, the beauty about this this Psalm here is that even though he's going through a tough time, God is still his God. Where else was he? What else would he? Where else would he go? Do you remember the time when Jesus was giving this great sermon after feeding the five thousand, and he says this crazy thing? Well, you need to eat my body or drink my blood, and all, a lot of the people that were following him went, wait. What? This is a hard teaching. We don't understand it. And they left him. I mean, in droves, they left Jesus. And Jesus looked at his disciples. He says, do you guys want to leave too? And Peter said something amazing. Where else can we go, God? Where can we go, Jesus? You've got the words of life. 
Sometimes we need to serve God. We need to pray to God. We need to love God when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we've been put, we've been involved in suffering. And we want to know why. And God doesn't tell us. That, does that make him any less God? No. He's still God. He's still Heman is still crying out to God. He's still reaching out to him, regardless whether he answers or not. So he's in relationship. One of the things all Psalm 88 also tells me is that you can tell anything to God. He's strong enough. He can handle it. You can yell at him. You can scream at him because you're frustrated. You're upset. God's got the big boy pants on. He, he's ready. That's truth. That's real. God just doesn't want the these and thys prayers. Oh, thank thee, Lord. I mean, these little, you know, grace before dinner prayers. Try to be polite and kind. Sometimes if you're in a relation with somebody, it's God! And that's real, and that's true. Because we all go through suffering. Life is all about either being in suffering before, during, or after. Really. I don't know if anybody has never had a not a hard time in life. And when we think about our hard times in life compared to people in other parts of the world... <laughs> Yeah, we could sound a little whiny at times. Paul said that very clearly. He says, you know, as long as we have food to eat and clothes to wear, we're good. Sometimes we whine because we want a new car. Really? So, and if you look at, at, if as you dive into Psalm 88, he talks about my life draws near to death, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit, which is talking about death. Talk about slain who lie in the grave. Early on, and then it talks about faithfulness and destruction, dark oblivion, grief. Listen, the human condition, if you think about it, we're all going to die. Nobody escapes death. Only one person that we know of escaped death, and that was God himself, Jesus. He rose from the dead, and he's still living. I mean, that's the crutch. I mean, that's the, that's the whole epitome of Christianity, is we still serve a living God. And so... Why does Heman still cry out to God even though he's not getting an answer? It's because he knows where his help comes from. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. David said it, and it's true. God answers our prayers. Sometimes he says no for your best interest at heart. Sometimes he says wait for your best interest at heart. Sometimes he says yes. But he answers us. I read a book one time, and it was called How to Hear from the Lord. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great book. I want to hear from the Lord. And I wrote the book, and it was all about journaling. I'm like, Willie, I hate journaling. But as you look back in in your journaling, in your prayers, you can look back and you can say, you know what, God answered this prayer. It wasn't as timely as I wanted it, but he answered it. I mean, you look back, the farther away you look back in that 2020 hindsight way, you go, oh my gosh, God really was talking to me, answering me. Oh my God. That's how you hear from the Lord. That's one of the most amazing things. If those of you are my age, a little bit older, certain vintage, as it were, you have more of the of this world in the past than you do in the what you have looked forward to. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, "What? Yeah, you're young. You'll, you'll wake up later." Anyway, but as you look back at your life, you see God moving in amazing ways. You go, "Oh, do you remember when I prayed that prayer and I wanted such and such?" And I didn't get it, and I was bitter and angry. And then I look back, I go, oh, I'm glad God didn't give me that. I would have destroyed my life if I had gotten that. Thank you, Lord, for saying no. I think there's a country song about that, right? Isn't there a Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers? Funny I should mention country songs. Because this song... Even though it's depressing, this is like a country song. Oh, okay. How about it's like the blues? This is like Jewish blues. Oh, woe is me. Right? Listen, I don't want to make light of people suffering and going struggles. But you know what? You can still reach out to God, whether you hear from him or not, and know that he will hear you. Know that he will answer it in his own good time. And know it because he has his your best interest at heart. I could go through hundreds of scripture talks about God cares about his people. Are you a person of God? Well, then you can trust it. You can trust him with the silence. You can trust him with the pain. You can trust him with the disasters of your life. Why? Why can I trust him with these? A couple things. One, because I know this life isn't all there is. I like to look at this life as a preparation for the next life. I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm talking about life with Christ. Forever. And this is a preparation time. One, to determine whether you really want to follow God. And two, to be wise 
in the next life. Look at Revelations. We're supposed to be ruling kingdoms. Do you, do you want to be a good ruler? Or you want to be a knucklehead ruler? I mean, really? And you're ruling for God. Uh, okay, I better get it right. So sometimes we go through some of this stuff and we're crying out to God. We don't know why. But you know what? We've got to just trust God. And this is where Psalm 88 comes in. Even though he's not getting his answer, he's still crying out to God. I'd like to end with a testimonial, but not from me. A good friend, her name is Sherry Frost. You might know her. She's a wife of Frank Frost, photographer in Albuquerque. Anyway, she, um, she shares this, and I want to read it to you. Because it makes Psalm 88 interesting. Here we go. My mom went into hospice 13 years ago. She was there for 10 days, during which I refused to leave her side. No one thought she would be there that long. I watched her fade away, and I was mad. Really mad. Not at her, but at God. I mean, furious. The well-meaning chaplains would enter the room, and I would hold my hand up and say, Save it. I know the scripture. I can quote it to you. And I don't want to hear it. One of the chaplains found me on day two while I was at the nurse's desk and asked for a chat. She asked me, Why was I so mad? I responded, look at my mom. Why doesn't God just take her? Why is he waiting? She replied, have you considered that maybe you're not ready and that's why maybe you need this time? Oh, that poor chaplain. With tears and snot running down my face, I unloaded. Not ready? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This is not about me. Of course, there was so much more, but I'll spare you the details. It was not my finest moment. And the days passed, and I sat alone in that room talking to my mom. I don't know that she heard me, but I talked anyway and read to her. I sang to her. I did her nails, held her hands, and I was thankful for that time. And then on day eight, the realization hit me. I wouldn't have been ready a week ago. It was like a sucker punch to the stomach. And I sought out that chop chaplain, and I hugged her and told her that I owed her an apology. She was right. I wasn't ready. I just couldn't see it then. But God did. I share this story with you because so often in life we wonder why. Sometimes we never find out, but most of the time it's because we still have something to learn, something important. We aren't ready and life is preparing us. Maybe we need to get serious. Maybe we need to lighten up. Maybe we simply need to gain perspective. There is always a reason, and God knows. So stop trying to figure out the why of all of it 
Just know that life is unfolding as it should. And try not to yell at chaplains. (laughs) Truth be told, we're not guaranteed the why. A lot of people don't want to move until they hear the why. Can I tell you? That is what faith is all about. You get introduced to the creator of the universe. Someone who is mortal. Someone who is bound to die. To return to the dust. Yet, we hear of Jesus. We talk, of, we talk about Jesus. We talk about that we were meant for death because we are all sinful creatures. Yet, Christ came down to earth and died for us and paid the debt for all sin so that we might have life forever with our creator God. And if you put your trust in Christ, then that's what will happen. That's it. That's the gospel message. So when life comes to you, mean, awful, nasty, gloom, darkness, you can look to God, even if you don't have the answers. You'll be better for it. Father God, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for suffering. Thank you for the challenges in our life. Father God, sometimes these challenges force us to go to you. And that's a good thing. Sometimes the things that go on in our life are not about us. It's so that we can share with others that there is a God in heaven. And that he can get us through these struggles. Father God, help us to continue to cry out to you. To continue to seek you. Regardless of circumstances, good, bad, indifferent. Help us to be known as people who pray to you, sing to you, worship you, love you, love others, and love serving you. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.